Black History Month. What is it? Who gets to celebrate it? Today we'll explore the origins of Black History Month and how it shows up in current society. Hello and welcome to another installment of Inscribing Inclusion. I am your host, Jocelyn Armstrong. Today we're going to get into the origins of Black History Month. For some of us, Black History Month is a thing that we have celebrated our entire lives. For others, it's something that is kind of on the fringes of our awareness, but not something that we dig into totally. And yet there are still others who are trying to figure out what Black History Month really means in their life and in their circles. I'm wanting to have this conversation because often there are things that we celebrate or commemorate and we don't always understand how we got there, what the origins of a thing are. And I feel like Black History Month is certainly one of those things. So for some people, this will be an introduction. For others, it will be a refresher. But I hope that as you listen, you gain new knowledge about Black History Month. Carter G. Woodson is known as the father of Black History Month, but I don't know that we always know how he got there. And to be clear, Black History Month becoming a month-long observance was not a solo act by any means. It was not something that Carter G. Woodson did on his own, but he set the foundation for what we now know as Black History Month. To give background about who Carter G. Woodson was, you have to know where he came from, who his people were, and kind of his journey. So I'm going to give a short recap and encourage you to do some more investigation on your own. But Carter G. Woodson, Dr. Woodson, Mr. Woodson, (laughs) these many titles, was born in 1875 to former slaves. So if you're doing the math, you'll understand that means that Woodson was born some 12 years after the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect. He spent much of his life working, his early life working on the family farm and in coal mines in West Virginia, which did not leave time for formal education, a thing that was not widely available to black folks in the late 1800s anyway. So he was primarily self-taught those things that he could get a hold of books and and any other information. He was largely self-taught and entered high school at the age of 20. He ended up completing his high school diploma in less than two years and then went on to enroll at Berea College in Kentucky. After graduating with his bachelor's from Berea College, Woodson became a school supervisor in the Philippines and then spent some time traveling throughout Europe and Asia. Coming back to the United States, he enrolled in the University of Chicago, where he obtained a master's degree, and then went on to become the second person to earn a PhD from Harvard. Later, Woodson joined the faculty of Howard University 
and he eventually became the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. So clearly, Carter G. Woodson was an educated man, even if it took him a while and he had a vastly different path to um, formal education. He was an educated man. He was also very interested in history and was known to say that African-American contributions were often overlooked, ignored, and even suppressed by the writers of history textbooks and the teachers who used them. So Woodson set about to do something about that. He joined the American Historical Association and as a dues paying member, he was barred from attending the conferences. So you have a man who is well-educated, who has gone to some of the finest schools in our country, even then and still now, has paid his dues to become a part of a historical association and was told that he could not be present at the conferences. Make it make sense. Of course, we know the reason being was that he was black because there was no other reason for him to be pushed out of this conference if he had paid his dues and had all of his credentials and, and all of these things, right? So because he was black and continued to be marginalized in society, he was not allowed to fully participate in the American Historical Association. I find it interesting for what it's worth that they took his dues money, <laughs> but didn't think it necessary to allow him to come to the gatherings. At any rate, because he had been pushed out of the American Historical Association, like many black folks in other associations, let's be clear before I move on, we have seen this with, with lawyers, right? There was the American Bar Association who initially did not allow black people to be a part, black lawyers to be a part of that organization. So that's how we got the National Bar Association. Both exist today and now Black folks are allowed to be a part of the American Bar Association. We've seen it with the American Dental Association. There's the National Dental Association, the American Medical Association with doctors. There's now the, there's also the National Medical Association. So there are certainly benefits and reasons why it is helpful and good to have an association with folks that look like you, that share similar backgrounds, but to be clear, many of these early associations that were started in the early 1900s in the United States came about because black folks were not allowed to join the existing organization and were barred from doing so by the white folks that ran them. And this, in this very peculiar case, uh, Carter G. Woodson paid his dues money to join and then was effectively shut out of participating in a meaningful way. So when people point to black focused or black centered organizations being segregationists, they have to remember why these organizations came to be and acknowledge the fact that they still have a place and presence in current society because even though black folks are now allowed to join the majority organizations, if you will, they're not always welcome. So just keep that in your mind at any rate. Carter G. Woodson was not stopped by this. He knew that it was important that African-American history be a part of the broader historical conversations. And so he um, 
applied for some funding from some philanthropic organizations, and he started the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History in 1915 in Chicago. And this organization described this mission as the scientific study of the neglected aspects of Negro life and history. Shortly after, about a year after starting this organization, he also started the Scholarly Journal of Negro History, and it's still in publication today under the name of the Journal of African American History. I would like to point out that the Association of Negro Life still exists today, and it is now known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. I will be sure to drop the link to that organization in the show notes uh, because the history that they put on that site was very helpful and informative for today's episode and I think will be helpful going forward. So again, Carter G. Woodson did not allow his quest for African-American history to be taught and shared broadly. He started his own organization. Then in 1926, he started Negro History Week. And that was the second week of February in that year that he launched Negro History Week. And the reason that that week was chosen, according to the history that's been shared, is that it encompasses the birthdays of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, who at that time were both known to be helpful to the quest of freedom for African-Americans in the United States. We have since learned because more information is available or people are talking about things more that everything that happened with these two guys wasn't always on the up and up, but they did make some contributions to the emancipation of black people, particularly those who were enslaved in the United States. So that is part of the reason um, why Woodson chose that week in February to celebrate Negro History Week. There are some other traditions and things that are listed on the ASALH site that talk about why he thought this that week was impactful. I'm gonna encourage you to go to the site and read more about how he got there. Because Woodson was so passionate about Negro history as it was called then, and he highlighted it during the specific week in February, let it be known and let's make it clear that it's not something that could be or should be in his estimation, nor in mine, um, contained to one week. African-American history is embedded in the history of one, these United States, but also many other places where folks from the African diaspora show up and live and have many, many generations of contributions to these societies. But the purpose for the week was to provide a special time for us to collectively celebrate racial pride as African-Americans, as well as to collectively assess white America's commitment to its professed ideals of freedom. And that's a quote directly from the the ASALH website. Because of his work in highlighting the contributions and the importance of African-American history, Shortly after he created Negro History Week, Woodson was awarded the Spingarn Medal from the NAACP. So that's the foundation. 
of Black History Month. And that was 1926. If we're keeping score, that was not terribly long ago. For my mathematicians in the audience, that hasn't even been 100 years ago. So when Woodson started Negro History Week in 1926, during the 1960s, um, there were college students across the nation who were pressing their universities to create African-American studies courses. They thought it important for their education to learn about African-American history. And so some schools, even in Ohio where I reside, Kent State was one of the first schools. And then there were um, a couple of schools out in California that really, really pressed for African-American studies courses. Um, and I'm glad they did. I was able to take um, African-American studies when I was in college, also in high school um, for a semester, but certainly multiple semesters in college. And because of the African-American studies courses, you also got like ethnic studies departments at universities. So they, they went into other um, people of color groups and you get Asian studies and Hispanic and Latino studies and more um, because it started with African-American studies programs. So in 1976, President Gerald Ford signed and signed the proclamation, if you will, um, denoting February as Black History Month. And at that time, um, President Ford said, in the bicentennial year of our independence, speaking of the bicentennial of the United States, we can review with admiration the impressive contributions of Black Americans to our national life. To help highlight these achievements, Dr. Carter G. Woodson founded the Association for the Study of Afro-American Life and History. We are grateful to him today for his initiative and we are richer for the work of his organization. Now, having been born in 1875, uh, Dr. Woodson actually passed away in 1950. So he um, was not there in 1976 when Black History Month was, was made an official commemoration. But certainly his contributions to society were acknowledged at that time. 1976, again, if we're doing the math, was a mere 45 years ago. And to put it into context, I was born in 1979. So my entire life, <laughs> um, I've known what Black History Month is, but it only came about three years before I showed up on the scene. I wanted to, I'm sharing all these numbers, right? I'm, I'm sharing all these numbers because we... Sometimes hear people say that racism and prejudice and all these things were so long ago and why is everything such a big deal and we should just move on and, and whatnot. But literally there was a man who less than a hundred years ago was barred from participating in a historical society because he wanted to talk about the contributions of black people. He set up his own organization he started a week to commemorate, and it became a month less than 50 years ago. 
in a nation that was established way more than 50 years ago. So when you look at the timeline, the United States was in existence a full 200 years before someone was like, oh no, we should probably really say something about the contributions of African-Americans in this country. And to be clear, 1776 was when like the United States was official. There were people living here before then, long before then. And there were black folks who were living here before 1776. So just keep that in your mind when you think about how long this nation has been in existence and how long things like Black History Month have been celebrated. And so I've talked about the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History. And I really encourage you, like I said, I'm going to drop it in the show notes, the link. And I really encourage you to visit the website and learn more about the organization itself. Um, They are actually hosting a Black History Month uh, virtual celebration this year. And the focus is health and wellness. So you'll learn about Henrietta Lacks and some other folks who have, by choice or by force, um, contributed to the broader health and wellness landscape by um, either being the subject of studies or so many other things, um, being the ones who have conducted studies and all of that. So I encourage you to check out that website. Now, there might be someone who's listening who has either said, or has heard the question posed, what about White History Month? Because sometimes when we bring up Black History Month, people immediately jump to the absence of a White History Month. Why doesn't it exist? Why don't we have that? Well, I've already shared with you the timeline, right? Um, Black history has not been officially acknowledged for a long time at all, 45 years. It's not a long time. Um. And when you consider most curriculum, uh, particularly history curriculum in um, formal education settings and the larger societal narrative, the white experience is centered the most in American success, in American society. It is the dominant culture. And there's no need to highlight a specific month for a topic or topics related to a dominant culture or one group that is typically the highlight. The same thing can be said about like, well, there's women's history month in March. Why isn't there men's history month? Because men tend to be centered in American society. And I can go on and on and on. So many of us, myself, certainly most of what I learned about black history was outside of the classroom. Um, while there were Black History Month lessons in my elementary school and high school and those sorts of things, it wasn't complete. Um, and the folks that we studied was a short a short list. We would typically get lessons about Dr. King and Rosa Parks and maybe a local person. I remember in elementary school actually being in a school play where I played Coretta Scott King. I was like in the fourth grade or something. Um, But again, most of my my black history lessons came 
from outside the classroom. When I had to write reports on black history figures, I did not pick Martin Luther King. I did not pick Rosa Parks. I did not have anything against these people. They were wonderful, but I always wanted to pick someone different. So I picked folks like Duke Ellington and Charles Drew and Barbara Jordan and Thurgood Marshall. Um, they were the people that I chose to write my reports on. I don't know what impact that had on my, my, my classmates, but for me, it was fascinating to learn about these people. Um, and matriculating through high school, I had an African-American studies course one semester. Um, it was taught by one of the history teachers at my high school who also happened to be a football coach who also happened to be a white man, but he taught this class for a number of years and I took that course. There was actually a textbook that was purchased for the class. The lessons were short. I often went outside of the textbook and found my own information because at that time I was working at the library. So I would have very robust discussions with this, with this teacher because I was actually taking the class as an independent study course because I had a free period and I was the only person in my section, so to speak, of the class. And so all of my reports and papers and everything else were kind of on the syllabus, but mostly about things that I wanted to talk about and it was totally allowed. Once I got to college, I was at a large Big Ten university, so I had the ability to enroll in African and African-American studies courses. So I learned about uh, culture and society in West Africa from a professor who was from West Africa. Um, I took African-American studies courses from professors who were African-American, and one of them, a very prominent woman, um, African-American scholar, and so that shifted again for me how I looked at, at Black History Month and African and African-American history. Um, in high school, I was in an, a scholarship enrichment program, and we would take tours to the South to learn about civil rights. And we got to go to different countries on the continent of Africa, depending on what summer you got to go. And I got to spend two weeks in Ghana as a high schooler. And all of that kind of shaped how I looked at Black History Month and understood that Black history and African history and African-American history, if you call it that, was more than what was packed into 28 days. And it was more than the you know, television specials and movies that are shown during February. It was far more than the reports that I wrote in school and the short lessons and quotes and things that were shared around the building. Um, during during February. It was truly a year-long and for me lifelong learning experience. Even at now four plus decades into life, um, I'm still learning about African and African-American history and the contributions that folks made prior and that people are now currently making to society that will have a historical impact. So saying all that to say, <laughs> the reason there is no White History Month or no Man's History Month um, is because those groups and their history have not been shoved onto the back shelf or minimized when we're having the broader conversations about, about history. So you have to highlight those things that are not given complete attention and highlight it in the same ways that the dominant cultures historical contributions have been.
So I'm a person that shops sometimes, pretty regularly actually. And like many folks, I sign up for emails from the different um, stores where I am inclined to spend money because they send out special offers and coupons and remind you of sales and that sort of thing. And there are a number of companies and organizations here in the United States that on February 1st were filling my email inbox with messages about Black History Month. Many of them were just like, we as a company celebrate Black History Month because of blah, blah, blah. Um, some of them featured people that work for their organizations. Some of them, you know, mentioned that we understand that Black History Month is a year long celebration, but highlighted during February. I'm cool with that. Um, some corporations launched specific products for Black History Month. Um, like Bath and Body Works launched a Black History Month scent line. I have not smelled it because I've not been to the store. Um, I have a friend who recently shared on social media that she was in the store and she smelled it. She didn't buy it. She wasn't impressed. She didn't think there was anything special about it. And, and that was fine. Um, there are some co companies, though, that do a great job, I would consider, with their Black History Month um, product offerings, if you will. Target is one of them. Um, they started featuring Black History Month a couple of years ago and made this commitment to continue to keep those products, those designers, those creators on their shelves throughout the year. And they typically do a, a, a store set like right in the front of the store and they have a tab on their app that features Black History Month products. Um, they give you the stories behind the products. They feature the creators of the products. I bought a t-shirt recently from Target out of their Black History Month collection and the tag that was attached to the t-shirt um, had a quick snippet about the black owned farm where the cotton was grown for those specific t-shirts. Um, so they've kind of gone the extra mile, if you will. And if you're familiar with anything else that Target does besides take a whole big chunk of my budget, um, when things were happening in the um, summer of 2020, particularly in Minneapolis, where the store is headquartered, um, one of their stores was severely damaged and burned down. They Target executives decided to send a truck of essential items like um, medicines and, and diapers and things into that neighborhood so that folks could pick stuff up. They transferred their employees to different stores to continue to work, and they rebuilt the store in the same neighborhood. And I'm sharing that because when it happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of a thing. And whatever we feel about capitalism or not, or whatever we feel about big corporations or not, I'm more inclined to pay attention to a corporation that says on their website, yay, we celebrate black history, but then they also do things in the communities where they are situated to um, highlight and help the black people that they say that they're celebrating during February um, when they're doing these things when it's not February. So this is not a target commercial by any means. It's just an example of how it can be done well. And again, I mentioned some organizations just acknowledge that Black History Month was a thing, but they are trying to celebrate Black history all year long because they understand the contributions of African-Americans in this, in, in this United States, United States, air quotes. But at any rate, I, I am again more inclined to acknowledge when companies don't try to make a big deal about it just in February, but they say we are commemorating this month and here are the other things that we're doing the rest of the year. 
It's kind of a double-edged sword though, right? Because in as much as it feels performative um, from some groups and organizations, there are those places and spaces where it's fine and they're they're doing a decent job. And so it's this weird kind of feeling of, yes, we're glad you're highlighting these folks. Yes, we're glad you're highlighting these black creatives and their products and make sure that if you're doing it, you have the right motive, you're paying them well, and you're not just relegating them to February. So by now you're like, Jocelyn, you've told us the history of Carter G. Woodson. You've talked to us about Negro History Month and Black History Month and why it's a thing and the trouble with commercialization and all that. What are we supposed to do? How do we celebrate Black History Month? Who can celebrate Black History Month? I would say that anyone can celebrate Black History Month. And while I don't typically try to tell people how to do their things, I am going to make some very strong suggestions about how you can celebrate Black History Month, especially if you're not a black person. Um, First and foremost, and this is something that I say all the time in many spaces, the best thing that you can do is to learn something, right? Learn something. Um, Read a book, read an article, watch a documentary. There is no shortage of information if you want to learn about black folks, about African-Americans, again, I use the terms interchangeably and the best voices to learn from are black people. There are countless books, countless movies and documentaries that black people have created on the various experiences of African-American people, of black people, not just in the United States, but globally. So go to your local library and check out a book, go to your favorite bookseller and buy a book. Turn on your streaming service, turn on your cable and watch a documentary or watch a movie, read articles. There are scholarly journals, as we learned, um, produced by the ASALH. There are scholarly journals written by black people that are not about Black History Month, but just about whatever topic it is that they study, be it engineering or any of the other sciences or the law, all of these things exist. So your primary task is to learn something. And even if you are a black person and you're looking for something different, go pick up a book by someone that you haven't read or attend an event, probably virtually at this point, with an organization that focuses on black people that maybe you are unfamiliar with. It is totally available to you. Another thing you can do is buy something. I mentioned that I bought a shirt from Target from their Black History Month collection. I have not limited my shopping for Black History Month to only Target. There are small businesses in my area um, that I choose to support. And fun fact, though, I don't just buy things from them in February. Um, I, I support them year round. There is a friend of mine who's a photographer Um, I didn't wait until February to take pictures with her. I did that like in the fall a couple years ago. Um, A friend of mine has a cookie company. I certainly do not only wait until February to order cookies because I enjoy snacks. And so I make it a point to try to support black businesses and small businesses all year long. That's something that you can do too. There are so many entrepreneurs, 
who are crafting wonderful products, be it food or clothing, art. I have a cousin who makes beautiful pieces. I have another friend who is known for her amazing wearable art. These are all great things. Another friend that makes candles. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I will probably actually drop some of these businesses in the show notes as well, because I feel like it's important for you to know that they exist and to support them. Um, but again, doing it during Black History Month is great. Um, doing it outside of the month of February is even better because it becomes less about you doing a special thing for a special month and more about you making a conscious effort to expand your lenses and expand how you invest in the community that you are a part of. The last thing I'll say too about when you're celebrating Black History Month is I encourage you to be sincere or be silent. If what you are doing is performative and it rings hollow, it's probably best that you not do it at all. And there's probably someone listening to me saying that and scratching their head like, well, why would you say that I shouldn't celebrate Black History Month? If I, because if you're only doing it because you want somebody to see you doing it or you want to make it look like it's a part of your jam and it's really not, please don't. Um, do it sincerely or be silent. That that is That is, I think, something that is helpful for Black History Month and life generally. Um, but yeah. That's kind of how I, I think we should approach this. Learning, supporting, and sincerity are all ways that we can celebrate Black History Month this year and for the years to come. And now it's time for one last thing. For today's one last thing, I thought it made perfect sense to share quotes from Carter G. Woodson, who we learned is the father of Black History Month. And he wrote several books, uh, the most popular being The Miseducation of the Negro. And so a couple of quotes from that book. The first one is, for me, education means to inspire people to live more abundantly to learn to begin, to learn to begin with life as they find it and make it better. And the second quote is, in our so-called democracy, we are accustomed to give the majority what they want rather than educate them to understand what is best for them. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Be sure to like and subscribe to Inscribing Inclusion on your favorite listening platform. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Inscribing Inclusion and on Twitter at InscribingPod. And if you feel like you just need to send an email, inscribinginclusion at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Thank you.